I'm Brittany Hardin-Tangue, a manager with KPMG, and I am fascinated by the practice of transfer pricing and its impact on the global market. Join me each episode as I explore the transfer pricing world with specialists who will explain the ins and outs of this niche practice where tax meets economics. With the intention of streamlining and standardizing transfer pricing documentation around the world, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, OECD, and the Group of 20, G20, has introduced a number of vehicles for driving this effort through its base erosion and profit shifting action plan, one of which is the master file. In this episode, we'll talk about the purpose of the master file, a few interesting elements of this document, and some things to consider when preparing. The masters of our discussion today are Kristen Essery, a principal in transfer pricing based out of our New York office. Hello. And Steve Blau, a KPMG alumni principal with Washington National Tax. Hello, glad to be back. I often hear that the master file is referred to as the blueprint, but what does that actually mean? So when I think about the master file, I think it's important that we position it as part of a three-tiered approach by the OECD for transfer pricing and really to gain transparency to understand a multinational's business. Transfer pricing documentation in the context of the OECD guidelines is composed of three documents, the master file being one, the local file, and the country-by-country report. The master file in that context is really the document that's going to provide a broad overview of the taxpayer's business and helping the tax administrations get the information necessary to both understand the business and some of the important transfer pricing constructs within that business on a global basis. The master file sort of feels like a transfer pricing annual report, or in the U.S., like a 10K, but in a much more abbreviated context. Would you say that's true? In some respects, yes, but there's a little bit more to it that taxpayers wouldn't necessarily disclose, say, in a 10K. The master file is not a public document. It is intended to be used by tax inspectors, although a lot of tax authorities are going to have access to this report. I think it's important to understand the context of the master file with the other transfer pricing documents. It is transfer pricing documentation but its role is not to focus in on the intercompany transactions. There's obviously some discussion of them, but really what the master file's purpose is a top-down description of the business. So if you think about the purpose of the master file, the audience here really is tax inspectors. It's tax inspectors, and in many cases, it's going to be tax inspectors who don't know anything about your company or about your business. We spend a lot of time just trying to explain what the business is all about and how it operates. The purpose of the master file is to communicate that, is to help you with the tax inspector by giving you an opportunity to explain what's going on with the business. And I think, Steve, to that point, it's a persuasive document in some respects. It's intended to be read alongside a local file, but to allow a taxpayer to write a persuasive document about its business to help the tax authorities understand it. And that's a really important point. You should imagine a tax authority sitting there with the master file the local file, the CFIC report, and if you have one, your annual report, all open side by side in front of them. And best practice here is for them all to be singing in harmony with each other. So they can recognize looking at one file something that's related to something they read in the other file. 
the key word here really is context. And I love that visualization of the master file of it being a symphony. You have all of your different elements of documentation and the master file truly does provide what the OECD asks for, that economic, legal, financial, and, and tax context for the numbers that a tax authority who is the audience would be looking at. Maybe it's the base. <laughs> it sets the tone. <laughs> so yes, it's the base that sets the tone for the other documents. What are the sections that are in the master file that we're looking at? What are the building blocks? There's a couple key building blocks when you look at the overall structure of the master file. You first have the simple, what is the business organizational structure? But then it transitions into the description of the business. What are the important drivers of business profit? I think that's a key element of the descriptions provided in the master file. And then it gets into even more detail about different types of service arrangements and geographic markets, and then also including a functional analysis from a group perspective. The master file also asks about key intangibles and then financial arrangements or activities of the multinational group. And so I think those are the basic sections of the master file. We talked about in other episodes, the value chain analysis and the profit drivers. There's one master file for an entire group. So it pulls it all together and looks at the value chain of the entire group. It really is a top-down document. I do think the heart to me, and Brittany, you related to the value chain discussion we've had, there's nothing in the master file that explicitly says, give us a value chain analysis. But what it does say, it says, tell us what are the key profit drivers of your business. And then a bit later, it says, tell us about the legal entities of your business and what are the key functions, assets, and risks of those entities. And then a bit later, it asks about intangibles. And if you think about what goes under DEMPI, DEMPI standing for Development Enhancement Maintenance Protection and Exploitation, D-E-M-P-E. Right, Steve? Yes, that's the term that comes out of OECD's Chapter 6 on intangibles. It's been used as shorthand for something broader that gets to geeking out a little bit. It's in Chapter 1 of the OECD guidelines about who is bearing the risk. So it really goes to where is the entrepreneurial behavior of the business happening? Where's the decision-making happening? Are profits flowing there? It's really important if you want to have a story in your master file about what the top-down profit drivers of my business are, and here's which entities have the functions, assets, and risks associated with those profit drivers, and then how do those tie to the intangibles? Well, that sure sounds an awful lot like a value chain analysis to me. You need to have a pretty clear idea of the value chain of the business in order to do a good job of putting those sections together and making them talk to each other. That's absolutely right, Steve. That's where the tax department to write an effective and persuasive master file has to be connected to the business. Understand not what happened last year, but what's happening now and how is the business evolving? Where is it headed in the future? So you can provide that connection in the master file and evolve that value chain as necessary to keep in line and up to speed with the business. It does require that business tax connection that is so important. The restructurings and acquisition sections and acknowledging those changes to the business is particularly relevant in today's context because we do see so much business transformation and the impact of data and technology and global pandemics on how companies operate and structure themselves. Kristen, can we talk a little bit about that connection and how important that is and what that means for the master file? 
as you said, the business transformation and the business disruption that's happening right now is tremendous. And having a connection between the tax department and the business is so important when it comes to drafting the master file. We really need to know not what's happened in the past, but what is happening now and how is the business evolving to create that connection between the value chain and those profit drivers that we've just spoken about and the story that we're telling persuasively in the master file. Taking into account business acquisitions, dispositions, all of these different transactions that are going on at the moment, all of these pieces need to hang together in a cohesive story. And that's the driving purpose of the master file is to bring those different elements together. The tax department is often working hand in hand with the business. And many of the tax department's that we're working with are liaising with their public relations or legal teams and other governmental affairs teams to make sure that should this document ever become public, mm. is what we're saying in the public sphere consistent. So tax departments are really preparing this document, yes, the intended audience being the tax authorities, but with this mindset that if this were to get released publicly, are we comfortable with that? That's a really important point, Kristen. It does tend to push the direction of a strategic decision to keep the master file quite short is what we think of as the less is more strategy. And certainly the fact that every period needs to be reviewed and cleared by multiple people is another reason to do that. That brings us to some strategic considerations. With the guidance that's given, you could really go to town and telling a pretty thorough story in your master file. Is that how companies should be thinking about it? Or are there different approaches that can be taken when preparing this type of a document, especially considering the audience? There are different approaches. You can look at the text of the OECD guidelines. It is not intended to be an exhaustive document. The guidelines description of the master file are full of words like brief, summary, etc., so, for example, there is a requirement to describe your supply chain, and it explicitly says this could be done in form of a chart. And if you think about the reader, again, if you want the master file to leave a tax inspector thinking nice things about you, if that's your strategic goal, then you're probably not going to accomplish that with a 150-page document that the tax inspector has to wade through you probably want the tax inspector to saying, wow, I really have a handle on what these guys do. And they did it in a way that didn't take up too much of my time. The purpose of the master file is not to get into each of your specific intercompany transactions. That is the purpose of the local file for a specific jurisdiction. And when you put the master file next to the local file, you can see where a lot of that detail can be provided where appropriate within the context of the local file. That's right. So while the master file does have a couple of sections specifically about intercompany services and about intangibles, where it asks you to list out what are the transactions it is not asking you in any way to document why you're doing that at arm's length. It's just asking what the transactions are. The documenting the arm's length nature of your pricing of those transactions is what the local file is for. That just brings it back, thinking of the master file as that baseline. You've got your different melodies in the local file, and when it comes all together, <laughs> creates a symphony. And whether you're Beethoven or if you're just doing a quick little jingle, <laughs> you know that's going to be reflective of what your business is and, and how complex your global operations are. Of course, you do have a huge amount of variation across companies, just depending on the nature of the company, from companies that are pretty focused in an area of an industry and got a couple of major product lines, 
two companies that are basically portfolio companies that are operating in many different areas. And strategically, how do you address that in a master file is a really important consideration for those companies. If you look at that decision from the perspective of what would it be helpful for a tax inspector to know about my company and how it operates before they start reading the local file, and how do I even maybe save some space in my local file because I'm describing stuff in the master file, and so I don't need to describe it again in every local file, thinking of these as being puzzle pieces that you want to have fit together putting yourself in the shoes of the tax inspector and answering the questions that they're going to have as a result of looking at all of these documents, preparing the answer ahead of time so that they don't have to come back asking for it. <laughs> yeah. The tax inspector reads through your master file and your other transfer pricing documentation. They're going to come away from that quite possibly with a sense of, hey, this company has this act together, or I read this stuff and I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> I think the former is going to get a lot less attention. The tax inspector is going to say, these guys have their act together. I'm going to go look elsewhere as opposed to, wow, I have no idea what's going on here, which makes me think maybe they're hiding something. It's also helpful to think about how is the tax inspector using this document? So yes, they're reading it. They're learning about your business. But what are they using it for? What purpose? At first blush, that's the risk assessment. How risky is your company? Is this a company that warrants a little bit more looking into? Is there a risk here that the tax authority should be concerned about? Or is this a company that, you know what, things seem pretty well hung together and the story makes sense to us and this doesn't seem to be a high audit risk? So I think at first level, it's a risk assessment tool for them. At second level, it is a tool that can be used within the context of an audit to understand the business and assess to the extent there are transfer pricing issues, where are those issues and how do they assess them? In another episode, we talk about the country by country and how these are numbers that tell a story. And the master file really does help further on that story and give even more context for what those numbers, especially if the numbers may be a little misleading or look a little funky due to whatever circumstance. This is another opportunity to tell that story and to ensure that the tax inspector doesn't have any questions and that the taxpayers accurately represented. It goes back to it. It is one piece of the documentation that the OECD is asking for. It is intended to be used hand in hand with the country by country report, as well as the local file, both for risk assessment purposes and for audit purposes. I really like the master file. I love that it does tell a story. <laughs> Understanding the transactions is one thing, but it's really fun to get to understand a business and its industry and how it works and operates. Absolutely. When I'm getting to know a new company, Frankly, the first thing I want to do is read their master file. I totally agree. It is definitely one of the first things I like to read as well and is a lot of fun to learn about different businesses. Thank you both so much for joining me as the masters of the master file. And thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Great to talk. Thanks for joining me on this adventure in transfer pricing. See you next time. <laughs>